With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Yo, Mike Check 1 2. Guard Your Girl Boxing Radio Weekly Podcast. I'm Coltrane. He's Roberto Flack. We're here every Tuesday night, 9 30 p.m. Eastern. Talking boxing and much more. Roberto Flack, what it do, my dude? Yo, yo, yo. Yo, what's poppin', man? Oh, man, all is well, man. How's it going down there? <laughs> Fourth of July uh, is coming and gone, and uh, <clears throat> needless to say, some fireworks took place over the weekend <laughs> outside <laughs> of the boxing world, let's just say. But, you know, I guess no tonight's show is going to kind of correlate between boxing and all other sports but uh yeah, yeah well well that's a that's the beauty about the sport world you know it all is is all 6 degrees of separation in in some kind of way you know um you know uh a lot of different per, you know a lot of different things uh that occur in one sport occur in the other sport and so on and so forth you know so we'll we'll, we'll get into that but um how was your weekend my dude Chill, man. Chill. You know, did the whole fireworks thing yesterday with the fam. Um, I mean, I, I I know I know it's summertime, but you know, like I was telling you from before, man, we're really <laughs> feeling the brunt of this heat down here. And right, um, right. now I'm not talking that, about the basketball sticky. team, even though right. that's a whole other situation. <laughs> right, um, right, 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 right. You know, right, but no yeah, man. You know, we're feeling that 90 degree heat at night, and it's 90 it's, degrees um, in it. The... <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, uh, but um, I mean, yeah, you know, um, we had uh, some boxing, I guess, a little, right. a little bit over the weekend. I mean, yeah, I guess yeah, it was yeah. a Friday card, right? Right, uh, right, um, right. I got watch a little bit, but uh, yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on before we get into like really the, mm-hmm. the meat and potatoes of the show because it, this really flew over a lot of people's heads, and we made mention of it. Uh, as pertaining to a fight that's happening not Friday, not Saturday, not Sunday, but Monday, if you're on the state side, if you're on the East Coast, likely happening around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, if you're on the West Coast, three hours before. But Sergey Kovalev <laughs> is wow. fighting right. this Monday. And, and uh, even talking to some people, they, they were like, Monday? Right. <laughs> and, you know, and we're coming from that era where you know, uh, you know, being like we're kind of OGs in the game at this point now. You know, we're we're kind of like ushering in the new era of the OGs. So we were that little last bit of younger people that got to see <laughs> certain fighters on like um, not only okay. network television, but like in the middle of the week, uh, like seeing Camacho fight on a Wednesday night on ABC or, or CBS or one of those. You know that that was a. a, a, a somewhat normal in the early to mid-80s until cable television came into play. But this fight is going to be on HBO, and it's 
July 11th. So, you know, by the time our next show comes around, you know, this fight would have already happened. So, Sergey Kovalev uh, making uh, his, the defense of his WBO, IBF, and WBA light heavyweight title against Isaac Chalemba. And I haven't seen much of Chalemba, but apparently this guy isn't so much of a pushover that so I guess some have been saying, you know, leading into what is, I would say, the biggest fight this year, Ward Kovalev. Uh, you know, with Ward having his own fight coming up. But Monday, I, around, like I said, Eastern time, it'll probably be around like 4 or 5 o'clock. And then on the, on you know, the west, you know, west side of things, it'll be three hours behind. But it will be on HBO. So if you have HBO or if you have, you know, HBO, uh, if you can live stream it, what have you, you know, you'll be able to watch it. So, yeah, Sergey Kovalev. So one half – of, you know, the, the, the interim fights that, you know, obviously we're expecting is happening. So it's kind of inching closer to, you know, the, the hopeful reality <laughs> that we get in November, but they got to get over these fights. So, you know, as we've been seeing recently with upsets and so forth, man, we can't take fights for granted, man. So um, July 11th, uh, tune in on HBO if you get a chance. If it, and no, if you're not working, like most people are in the States during those times, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be showing it later on at night, uh, you know, for those who missed it. So I just wanted to throw that out there before uh, before we forget. No, that's that's kind of, you know, big news. You're big, 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 big time. One of the big guys in the sport, literally and figuratively, you know, um, you get a chance to see him on, Monday, on a Monday. That's actually a pretty good treat because, let's be honest, you know, summertime is actually dead. <clears throat> for a lot of sports fans, not yet alone boxing fans. So, you know, then you get something like that thrown your way, you know, right. rather than, you know, ESPN insiders popping up on your TV and your Twitter loops every five seconds talking about, right. you know, not the same subjects every five minutes. So, you know, you get something something new there. So, you know, stay tuned for that. We'll look out for that. Um, um, Just quick off the cuff, um, I got a, I got a chance to see The Purge this weekend. Mm. The new Purge movie. I know you. You know we talked about the other ones, and I've never been a big. I, the first one I thought was okay. I thought it was a different, unique type of situation. Again, I'm not putting in a classic realm or anything of the sort. It was just something different at that time. I think Ethan Hawke was in the first one, right? If I'm not mistaken. Uh yeah. I think it was. The other two was just like trash. But this one here, you know, I got a chance to see this one over the weekend. I just was bored. I wanted to go to the movies. I, want, I actually wanted to go see the showers, but it was like a camp there with like thousands of kids, and that's just not a good look. <laughs> I want to go see a movie with a bunch of teenagers in the theater. Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't bad. But um, some good horrors coming out. The reason why I brought up The Purge because they showed the previews. Uh, for real good heart, and I wanted to see if you got a chance to check this preview out. It's uh, it's one of these kind of like demonic, you know, that's kind of like the new thing now. You remember like in the 2000, the ring and the grudge was like the mm-hmm. the big thing. Now, like the genre now, is kind of like the demonic movies, you know, the possess, uh, the houses, you know, the house and the families being possessed, you know, like the Conjuring and things like that. Yeah, and yeah, right. Sinister and all those these other movies, but. This particular movie here, um, I don't remember the name. It looks really good. It looks real, look real scary, but um, I got I got I got I got to find a name out. But um, it's it's coming out this I think either this fall or the end of the summer. 
uh, but the house gets possessed. But the little girl uh, is the main person that's carrying, like, the uh, ghost inside of her. But it's like a world, like, twisting and disturbing preview. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, be on the lookout for that. You know, um, I just wanted to just kind of throw that out there. The, side the one, did yeah. you saw the, well, did you see The Conjuring too? I have not seen it yet. That, oh. That's from my, I got to catch up, man. I'm like behind with my movie. Man. So, you know, like, I, I'm a big, like me, you know, shout out to my man, uh, my best friend Manny, who we came up, I mean, I'm talking about like 15 years old, like, just like spending hours just watching just, like, vintage horror films, right? And that's kind of I – mean, and I date back, like – like, this tells you, like, I guess our era as, like, a five- and six-year-old in comparison to, like, now. Like, I don't know if I would have done this with my son who's going to be five in, like, less than a year. Uh, I saw A Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, you know, and, and I'm dating myself here <laughs> – um, at five years old, with my mom and my dad, I'll never forget this, in Coral Gables, Miami, um, it, it, you know, and, and when this movie came out, people, I mean, mind you, the, 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 the kids now... Wait, you, you, saw this, you saw this with your parents? Like, yeah. Yeah. Street? yeah. No, say that again, because people will look at you like, you'll go to jail. Exactly. Like, That's, you know, I tell that to people, <laughs> and they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, yeah but... No, I'm with you. See, but back no, then... I feel I'll like I feel straight. like our parents were a little like, and my mom told me this like months ago, and I had like no clue, you know, because you know you you obviously hate going to the movies and hearing right. the baby crying and everything. And right, she right, told right, me right. she's like, "Yo, I used to take you like when you were like right. seven, eight months old, and you just stay right. quiet." And I'm like, "Wow, that kind of resonates right. now because yeah, I love right. going to the movies, you mm-hmm. know." So, um, no doubt, yeah, I, here, man. I, I can relate. I, yeah, man, like, I feel like, um, well, seeing horror movies from, like, that age to now, you know, you it's like with boxing, no different. You know, we watch boxing, um, not only say vicariously, but, like, we, we watched it through, like, our, our either our older peers or the adults. All of us did. That's how everybody found out until you got a little older to kind of either appreciate it or to just – really follow it more and that's that's, that's kind of what happened with the horror movies with me but i feel like this era it's it's been kind of a deal where there, there's certain there's because i mean i follow like certain horror directors that you know do good work and like the reason i mentioned the conjuring man is this dude james Wan. i mean mind you he did saw the first saw or he did a couple of saws but the first fall was incredible, by the way. Crazy, like unique contest, right? Craziness, and I think um, what he did with the Conjuring movies—I mean, particularly this one, man—where you know, when you talk about sequels that are better than than the originals, man. I mean, I'd argue, um, and, and a lot of people haven't debated this much that the sequel might be a little better than the first one, just because. Your expectations are are like always higher naturally. Like there's, you can't control it. Even though you you go into the theater expecting a sequel not to be as good, it, like you still have it in the back of your head. Like oh, you know, it's not better than the first one. This one, I left the theater like wow. I think this is better than the first one. And you know, and there's very, um, r- very rare does that happen. I mean, when we talk about sequels better than the first one, we talk about like The Godfather's. We talk about you know movies like that, Rocky Two, who I argue 
in my opinion, is better than the first one. It, to me, I mean, that's just me. But um, with The Conjuring, man, and James Wan himself, and even this movie Lights Out that I think he has something to do with, I don't know if you saw the trailer for, man, there's – I love gory movies. And, and shout to my man Manny as well. Like, we could sit there and watch, like, the old uh, Peter Jackson. What was the movie he uh, – his first movie that's like a, a gore fest. And, and mind you, this guy went on to do Lord of the Rings. But I love suspense. And that's why Halloween to me is like, I think, the, the prodigal son of the horror, of the horror film. You know, and we, I, we, we could talk for hours about, like, that freaking movie, man. But I think that's what's lost now in horror films where everything's a cash grab. And mind you, if you ask Hollywood or if you look around and you do the statistics, horror movies have the best turnaround profit of any genre because they're not expensive to make. And the number one movie, and people would think it's like a romantic comedy or whatever, horror movies are the number one date movies. Why? Because they it gives a reason for the female or, or what have you to freaking to grab you. It's it, it's been statistically tested. Like those are the number one movies. Like dates go to go to see whether it's oh, the first date or when. No, no, I, I you know you're absolutely correct, man. And the thing about taking your kids to the movies is hilarious because like when we grew up, like I was telling you about, like I was watching all these Steven Seagal movies, you know. um, you know, you know, a lot of, you know, in the Steven Seagal movie, not only is it violence, you know, a lot of F-bombs being dropped, <clears throat> you know, you may get a ta-ta shot here and there, and, you know, <laughs> but, I mean, no, like, I went, I went to the movies to go see my brother and my, and, and my pop, we went to go see these movies, and I guess it was like, yo, like, I'm going to take you to see these movies, but don't you repeat or try none of this, you know, yeah. that kind of respect there, like, I guess, I mean, I'm just... It was just a different time. Like, you know, it's funny. Me and Sleep always laugh about this. Like, yo, like, I didn't ride it. You know, I mean, I'm not promoting this. I don't want people to get misconstrued what I'm saying. But I didn't know, like, seatbelts didn't exist in me back then because there was three of us. And if one of us bought, like, company, that means we four deep in the back seat of the car. Sometimes we would be six deep. Like, cause my sister would bring somebody and I would bring yep. somebody. And when the cars were small back then, so like I would sit on my dad, my mom lap. Like it was just a, it was just a different time, and a lot of things yeah. went. And granted, they did make cars a lot tougher than they do now, so you can get in a little fender bend, and I guess everything would be all good. But you know, uh, it's just hilarious, like the 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 change of the times. But I, I we got back, we got here because you know I saw Bart talking about the purge, but the name of the preview that I saw, I, I just did some research. And it's uh, a Ouija. It was about a Ouija board. Oh, it's Ouija. Yeah. I saw the trailer for that. I saw the trailer Yo. for that like a couple they days ago. Where, they Did had one. They had one. It was trash. Though it was, though. It was, it was but they reach. They read. Yeah. They're gonna read. They're gonna show you how, like the the people that was like haunting that girl is what this yeah. story is about, basically. You know what I'm saying? That looked good, man. Because I was like, when the they mentioned Ouija right? board, yeah. I was like, ah. Yeah. But yeah, then yep. that scene, you see the scene when the, when she when she bends like kind of like in a U shape. Yeah, I, I was like, yo, it was like, <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, I'm in because it all it takes takes is one scene. Um, and you know, and I'm in the other movie. I don't. They, they're they're putting this in a. I hate when they do this. Like, 
like it'll be like a suspense thriller, but they they dub it as a horror. Yeah, like, Rada was telling us about it, and I I saw the preview. It do looks dope. It do looks dope. The concept It's called "Don't Breathe." Like these kids, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The house. yeah. I saw Dude, the trailer for that too. It kind of got like a saw slash, like you know, because that was another genre. Because once saw popped off, like everybody, a lot of different like ripoffs came after that. The mm-hmm. whole like I'm gonna let you kill yourself, basically type of thing. Like I'm gonna put you in a maze. I'm sure you saw some of these like mock muster, yeah, uh, mock yeah, yeah. red box type movies. You know where you got thirty, you got an hour and thirty seconds to get out of the house. So whatever. But anyway, get back on track. <laughs> a little sidebar there. You know, we just wanted. To, you know, I know people out there love movies, and you know who doesn't love a good horror flick? Well, I do. Got my one, my one homie who. Don't watch horror movies. <laughs> I got one too. Shout out to you my man Reem. <laughs> yeah, you one of the toughest dudes I know, but he won't. He don't fool around with horror movies. It was funny. We, he actually broke one of my doors. He locked us in the basement in my crib, uh, and we couldn't get out. Oh, yo! <laughs> the door locked from the other side. He locked us in, and we could. It was like something out of a movie, man. Nah, he was like locked in, but it was crazy. Anyhow. Back to the back to the show, and get us a guard to go boxing. I'm Cole Train, Roberto Flack. Yeah. Um. So, what brings us here tonight is obviously we don't have a lot of boxing going on. Um. You know, uh, we got some boxing, but not a whole lot. So we wanted to kind of like steer the show in a different direction. You know, tie it to boxing. Um. Unless you've been in a cave. Actually, I ran into somebody that didn't know nothing about what took place on Saturday. Wow. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Was it Saturday or Sunday that the news break? No, uh, no, 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 no. Monday. 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 Yeah. I'm tripping because the Monday made it seem like a yeah, Sunday. Yeah, the day. Because it was a holiday, <laughs> right? So uh-huh. basically, basically, if you, if, if you haven't heard, you know, Kevin Durant of the Oklahoma Thunder, uh, it was a free agent, meaning he could go wherever he would, his place of choice, uh, to go start the next chapter of his career, as he, as he, as he put it, you know, his next chapter. And the Golden State Sun, the Golden, uh, excuse me, the Golden State Warriors was, you could say, their rivalry. You know, their arch nemesis. They were the team that was kind of in Kevin uh, Kevin Durant's way of getting to the title game, to the NBA Finals. And you know, his team was up three one. You know, Game Six was the game was kind of the game that they could have put Golden State away in. Instead, Clay Thompson goes off. Kevin Durant kind of like. Kind of came up small in that game because he missed a lot of shots down the stretch. Um, it was always, always some rumors about Russell Westbrook, you know, their relationship. Did they get along? I think you would have that. I don't. I always say it's very hard for two superstars, especially if they're alpha male type superstars, to coexist. I don't care who you are. I just think that that's a hard thing to do. Do people do it? For sure. And Twitter and Instagram and all that wasn't out back then, so you didn't hear about it like you do now. But that being said, you know, it brought up a lot. You know, lines pretty much got divided. You know, you had, you had one side saying, how could he go to his arch nemesis? You know, why not go to another team and build his own, continue to build his own legacy? That team, his legacy is already built. And you got others saying, well, actually it was three thoughts, uh, 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 a frame of thoughts out there. The other, you had some people saying he should have stayed in Oklahoma, you know, and then you had the other people saying he's anywhere but there. I don't care where it is. You know, we'll we'll get into our personal opinions in a second. And the reason why we're, I'm bringing up Kevin Durant because this kind of go on in our sport as well in boxing, where 
People make business decisions. People make decisions that, that aren't always a popular boxing decision. And just to kind of give an example, Danny Garcia, right? Now, Danny's from the crib. He's from Philly. And I want Danny to do well. You know, I, root for, I personally root for him. And, however, I do understand that as a, a me, as a boxing fan, I want to see him get into the mix and take the win of a Thurman Porter or take on a Earl Spence or even an Adrian Broner for that matter, and like no more gate-type, keyboard-type fighters. But I also understand there's a business aspect to boxing. I also know it's strategic. You know, there's a strategic process the way these guys do things where they'll allow fighter X and Y to fight each other and then maybe, you know, take them as they continue to build their name also, they got a little wear, wear and tear on anybody. So it's a, it's 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 a business decision, and it's, but it not it might not be the most competitive decision. Where, you know, we talk about a Carlos Mazzone who took on, who cleaned out his division, division and had X amount of title def, uh, defenses. Bernard Hawkins, what twenty something title defenses. Joe Kawasaki. You're not going to see that anymore. Like guys cleaning out the division, their divisions, and fighting this contender and fighting that contender. Philly's own Julian Williams. He's the number one ranked IBF contender to fight one of the Charlo twins. But you and I know that fight probably would never happen. Why? Because Julian is not a household name, and the Charlo brothers are check chasing. They chasing money. So, Roberto Flack, I'm gonna spin the wheel back around to you. Business decisions versus greatness. Do you think that a do it? Do it? Does it have any bearings? Does it have any effect? Or is it just one of these things that we just got to kind of live with and just just deal with it and just let the chips kind of fall where they may? I, I mean, I think it's I think it's a situation where you have to kind of see when when you when you relate when you relate it to all sports, including boxing, including basketball baseball, football, like the underlying, um, you know, or, or I should say the common denominator, which with every one of those, you know, sports as it pertains to the decisions that these athletes are making, it's all predicated around money. Even in the case where like you look at the Canelo Alvarez, who right now should be finding Gennady Golovkin in a perfect world. Um, maybe even in a time in like in the, in the early 80s where the money was there only when the big fights presented themselves, as opposed to now where fighter A can have a pay-per-view fight against fighter C and make, you know not millions of pay-per-view buys, but make enough money to go to another fight, do kind of the same thing, maybe with a tad tougher opponent until you reach that big fight, quote-unquote, where if you lose, you've already made so much money and so forth. And that's kind of the whole way I look at the Canelo Triple G situation. But the thing is, it's the question of do you want to be great or do you want to be a businessman, which has become kind of, uh, I don't want to say the standard because there are guys out there. Like you, when you look at like a Terrence Crawford or some of these guys, they, they, you kind of see their motivation or and or the route they may take may differ 
depending obviously on the business and how people, you know, work with each other and so forth. But we've talked about certain fighters that are kind of looking at, at, at the at the exit or kind of looking at the exit strategy before they've hit the brink of what some would call their prime, um, their peak years where they've fought the big fights. Because when we when, when we talk about boxing, when, when we talk about some of the great fighters, it's always a conjunction with what a, an opposing fighter during that time. Sugar Ray Robinson, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya. I mean, you can even talk about Floyd Mayweather early in his career. Um, you could talk about you, you know, the Carlos Monsons of the world, um, the Marvin Hagler's of the world that you know fought just pretty much everybody that was there, and the financial side of things played a big part when the big fights came. I think the problem is in this era. With boxing, and even when you look at what transpired in the NBA, with just all this money being available, it, it, it turns the sport upside down. And you look at like these deals Al Horford got with Boston, and you look at the deal that what's this guy got? Um, oh, that, 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 that huge hundred, like 20 some million. Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill. Yeah, it's like. It's just insane money, and it's going to get worse next year when the cap goes up again. And where you, would the teams have to spend no less than ninety million dollars, man? And some of these players, um, I mean, look, man, get your money. Well, I'm not even arguing about that, but yeah, I just right, think right. it's just a different set of circumstances now. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. The, the the market has determined, and it, and it kind of sucks. Like, look at the like just switching back to the basketball aspect of it. You look at the Sixers, right? Right. And what they did, they basically lost on purpose. They continued to lose because they look they they took they took the stance of well, while LeBron James is in the Eastern Conference, we, we will never go to the NBA Finals. So what's the point of being mediocre? So let's be bad. By the time we get good and continue to collect these draft picks and build our own team and get lucky like the Oklahoma Thunder did and get you know two premier players out of the deal and let them grow together. And by the time they grow together, LeBron will be free and gone and we'll be able to compete with him. These other teams that got these stars already, they're kind of like forced to pay these guys, you know, like they're big-time celebrities, I mean, big-time superstars because look what's going on. These guys, they will leave and join other teams to try to get a championship. So they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place like, well, if we don't get these guys max contracts, you know, you know we, you know we run the risk at you know them losing them to another team, you know, and reverting it back to boxing again. These guys, and don't get me wrong, like from a business aspect, we watched the sport for so many years, uh, be you know pretty much be ran by promoters, you know, and pretty much do whatever they want, and the the the, the laborers, the workers the boxers, the fighters, even in the NBA, you know, like Chris Rock said, you know, you got rich people and then you got wealthy people. He said, I don't want to be Shaq. I want to be a guy that's writing Shaq's checks. And these guys are making, so if these guys are writing these kind of checks, imagine the type of money that they're making. So I don't, like you said, I don't knock the guys getting paid. I don't knock the fact that these guys are, they're, they're branding themselves. You know, they understand, like, these guys are way more tuned in 
versus a Sugar Ray Leonard or a Marvin Hagler. These guys are like walking corporate. Well, Sugar Ray Leonard kind of got – let me not put his name in here because he's actually one of the guys that did kind of understand the business really early. But you know what I'm saying. These guys now, I'm not knocking – I don't want people to get misconstrued of what I'm, what, what I'm trying to convey here. The business aspect is the business aspect. I applaud guys getting all that they can get. You know, I brought up Danny. You know, Danny's getting much for less. Okay, that's great from a business perspective. Now, let me come back and play fan now. I always tell fans this. I just tell people this when we used to do the YouTube show. What they eat, these athletes, don't make you go to the bathroom. So when I hear, like, fans telling me about, well, he getting, he's getting this and he's getting that. I'm like, uh, at the end of the day, I'm like, well, how does that help you as a – because remember, you're the consumer paying for a product. Right. So if the product is watered down, if it's not being, you know, uh, prepared and sold to you properly, you're losing in the, in the end. So when you got fighters out here, because it is what it is, they're hand-picking opponents. When you're not fighting the guys that – if you're a welterweight, you're supposed to fight – especially if you're a welterweight champion – you're supposed, your job is just one thing and one thing only, and that's to un, unify the division some kind of way. I don't care if you're an IBF, you fight the WBA champion, you're WA, you fight the WBC, however you want to do it. You, you're, it's your job and your duty and your obligation to your fan base to fight the best guys in your division, not gimmick fights. You know, let me not let me fight. Andre Ward for prime example. Andre Ward could make what he how much he get in his last fight? One point something? Yeah. On 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 a, on, a, on a regular day, right? He can get that, right? One point something. Andre yeah, Ward could so. easily you know, speaking of Golden State, he can easily be out in the bay, you know, and having Steph Curry and Draymond Green in his locker room, making one point five fighting Joe Blow at some gimmick catch weight. But he wants to be great. So what did he do? He moved up to light heavyweight and he's fighting the baddest dude and people could say whatever they want about Kovalad. It's a 50-50 fight. Whatever your opinion is of the fight, he's, he, he's fighting the baddest dude in his division. That's, that's attempting to be great. That's, attempt, and that's, and that's kind of what we're talking about here tonight. And there are, there are times when you have to make sound business decisions for yourself, like maybe letting the fight marinate, letting it grow. But at the same time, while you're letting the fight marinate, you have to fight people. Like, you have to fight the best available options. Like, to see, the difference between the NBA and boxing is the NBA, they can't pick – they can pick whatever team they want to play for. That's easy to do. But they still got to play whoever's on the schedule that week. In boxing, you can pick whoever you want to fight, you know, and that's just how it is. And like you said, these guys are taking a module that was laid out by, you know, stuff that Floyd did. But he earned that right to do that because he already, you know, built his brand and, you know, pretty much built his legacy. Like, the Floyd legacy is already sold and submitted. It's nothing less, it was really nothing left for him to do. You know, he was pretty yeah. much doing what he wanted at this point. Because I don't even count. Yo, yo. Yo. Like, check. Well, until you get back on the line. <laughs> um, no, like, I mean, you made a point. Like, Floyd, even even though, like, I should say, like, Leonard had, you know, his own, um, 
moves that he made, I would say after the Tommy Hearns fight. Because, I mean, you, when you think about, like, the guys that he fought from, at, like, 20, I don't know, like, 25 years old, I mean, like, he fought Tommy Hearns, who was a killer back then, uh, Wilfred Benitez, who was, you know, in my opinion, a very underrated boxer, like, in the last, like, 30, 40 years. And he fought Roberto Duran twice. And after that, you know, the Hagler fight, you know, I, you know, he did the whole thing, you know, getting in the middle of the ring, thinking he was going to announce the fight, and then he had to retire, even though he had an eye injury anyway. Uh, that fight took a while to materialize, but, I mean, look at what he did prior to, to him fighting Marvin Hagler. And Floyd, you could kind of say the same thing. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say to that level, but for for him to fight Diego Corrales, who at the time was kind of seen at seen as, you know, uh, you know a, a, a big... Uh, what do you call it? A super featherweight. And during that time frame, man, like you would think, like Floyd wouldn't be, uh, or, or I should say, like for fans that have gotten used or, or became boxing fans, let's just say, like in the last ten years, which is really saying from two thousand six to now, uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather was it went in going into the fight with Diego Corrales wasn't the favorite. I mean, I think he was like a two to one underdog. So, something like that, and man, he he, you know, rest in peace, Diego Corrales, man. But he beat his ass, and he he fought guys like Jose Luis Castillo twice, and, and even if you argue that Floyd lost the first fight, uh, he immediately got the rematch, and you know showed that you know he he thought he won the first one, and he proved proved it in the second fight. Fought guys like Chop Chop Corley, who um, far into his career was a tough fight for anybody. But I think uh, at the same time, you know, when you relate it to some of these guys now, man, it's a different set of circumstances when you think about how they get paid, the promoters. Um, and, and, you know, you got to think about social media and things like that, too, as far as, like, the, the, the awareness of a fighter that guys like, you know, Floyd early on and, you know, guys, you know, Oscar and people before him didn't have um, – I just, you know, I, I think it, it's it's uh, it's kind of a sign of the times, sports wise, man. Uh, the, the the way athletes uh, maneuver their way to to try to get paid and to put themselves in situations that will, you know, were in the case of Durant, you know, people are criticizing him because he's going to a team that just came from the NBA Finals in a Game Seven that. If a block didn't occur, <laughs> likely could have been, you know, the other way around, you know, meaning, you know, Golden State possibly winning. So, you know, th- there's criticism there. But, again, man, like, I, I think, it, like, you know, to the point, Coltrane, you, you, you're there right now, right? Yo, can you hear me? Yo, yo. Hello? All right, so, <laughs> um. It, it, it's uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of a deal where, you know, they they they, th- this is kind of the the world in sports that we live in right now where people are making business decisions and 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 it, it's hard to knock you know because at the same time between myself and you know speak for the entire crew we're people with families too you know what I'm saying I mean we understand what it is to, you know, be able to support your family and look out for the best you know, of your own life and, and, and for your families. But 
you know, there does come a, a price, I would say, possibly that you pay for, you know, maybe not being looked at as great. Uh, like some players, like in basketball, have staying with one team, riding it out, and winning a championship, you know, or two. Uh, but, yeah, man, like, I guess, <laughs> in a way, things do evolve. Boxing's business paradigm has evolved, and we've kind of have lived through that, you know, and I think Mayweather-Pacquiao was kind of a situation where that's somewhat of a an example of how a fight that maybe could have materialized three different times didn't, and, you know, that did have to do with, I guess, the business model changing the promoters changing, and, and things as such. So are we going to see anything change in the immediate future as it relates to the decisions that, let's just, I mean, to stick with boxing, that some of these fighters are going to make? I mean, I think that's really going to be dependent, I'll be honest, with uh, the situation with the networks. Because I think what we're starting to see now and I've been I've been mentioning the fact that HBO's budget has kind of been plummeting a little bit as it concerns their their boxing programming and really their sports in general. Um, I don't know like exact figures, but you know there's a reason why Crawford Postal is on pay per view, and it's because HBO's not paying for. Yo. My cat. One, two, one, two. Yeah, I think that call uh, fell out there. Uh, but in any case, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, the sport, the sport is changing. Boxing is changing. And, and, and I think as far as the networks are concerned, you know, we'll have to see – um, if that plays a part in some of these bigger fights being made, because I think the pay-per-view industry is kind of dying out, man. I mean, I, I, I was having a debate with somebody about, you know, it, it, whether or not Mayweather Pacquiao kind of bursted that bubble, you know, because in this day and age, man, where people can stream fights and you, you look at uh, – I mean, just the record industry, man. I mean, we're, we're now, they've had to conform to um, streaming online, or, or excuse me, um, you know, with, with uh, things like Spotify and, and Apple Music, where now that's becoming somewhat of this. I mean, it is becoming, in a sense, a standard. And, you know, laws, in a sense, do have to be changed now in, in correlation with, like, you know, artists and, and such getting paid. As such, what may happen in this case with boxing where the pay-per-view industry might um, – it might not be there like how it was before because, you know, Mayweather Pacquiao are two guys that, like, I don't think we're going to see uh, 
much of in relation to uh you know the, the these uh these paper you know the, these constant pay-per-views happening and you know two guys riding out like the better part of seven years or for six years just having their own pay-per-views before they fight each other like i don't think there's a guy there right now that's going to do that what may counter that is just bigger fights being made potentially on these networks so i mean we'll have to wait and see what occurs but i mean we'll uh We'll touch base on that, man. But I mean, there's really, like, I, like we said earlier, um, there's no boxing really much going on this weekend besides the PBC on ESPN, uh, which you know I'll, I'll try to, you know, I'm likely going to catch here and there uh, if I'm uh, <laughs> if I'm in the house. But um, yeah, man, that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much the show for today. You know, not not much, uh, like I said, going on this weekend. But like I mentioned, July 11th. Uh, this Monday, or you know, the this coming Monday, Sergey Kovalev is fighting on HBO. You know, making his defense, and you know, if he gets past that, you know, we're gonna see uh, the the one piece of the equation. You know, or I, I guess you say one piece of the puzzle uh, that will culminate hopefully this November in a mega fight between Sergey Kovalev and Andre Ward. But uh, that is the show for this week, man. Shout out to Coltrane. Shout out to the whole crew. And um, we'll be back next week to talk about that fight. And, you know, we'll be leading up to Deontay Wilder versus Chris Ariola. That's going to be taking place on Fox. And, you know, there's fights coming up in July. And, you know, getting into August and September, man, you know, we're just going to start heating up with some of what we hope are some of the fights that are going to be uh, announced soon, hopefully, meaning, you know, Jesse Vargas versus Kel Brook. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. But that is our show for this week, man. Follow us at Guard Your Boxing on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me at Roberto underscore Flack on Twitter and Instagram. So we will be back next week. Peace.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.